Yes. Hallelujah. Thank God you're giving Jesus a round of applause. Before you start counting me down, let me just say a few things. One to just uh, remind those of you who are married of our marriage course um, this afternoon. It will be on improving communication in marriage. And uh, I want to encourage you to come. The £10 fee is towards food. So if you haven't registered and you want to come, you can still come. Um, but if you haven't registered, then obviously the food, you should bring packed lunch or, you know, fast or something. Um, but you are still welcome to come. So I want to encourage you, if you are married, uh, to come. It will help your marriage. Um, but it's only for married couples. So sorry, Andrea. Sorry, Michael. Not yet. Amen. All right. We are going to continue our study of the word. And we're looking at the Holy Spirit. And today I want to talk about the Holy Spirit and his gifts. The Holy Spirit and his gifts. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 1 to 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 to 4. I want to apologize in advance because some of the things I'm going to say is a repetition of what I shared um, at Refresh. But I felt in preparation that I should repeat some of the things because some of you were not there. But also, it just is good for you to be reminded of some of these truths. As we continue to learn about the Holy Spirit, it is my prayer that all of us will grow in our relationship with him, in our revelation of him, and in our relationship with him. And that we will see him as our senior minister, our senior minister and our senior partner, our comforter, the one who comes alongside us to do in our lives what Jesus himself would have done if he was physically on the earth. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 4. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were, that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And I want to pause there. I want to say a few things about this as an introduction concerning the Holy Spirit and his gifts. The first point is in verse 1, and that is that God does not want us to be ignorant concerning things of the Spirit. Now, in the translation, it says concerning spiritual gifts. But actually, in the Greek, the word gifts is not actually there. It actually literally says concerning spirituals. So concerning the things of the spirit, he is saying he doesn't want us to be ignorant. Why? Because there are many assumptions that people make when it comes to spiritual things and when it comes to the supernatural and when it comes to the working of God and his Holy Spirit. And ignorance will cause you to make unnecessary mistakes and ignorance will cause you to um, have mindsets that actually undermine what God wants to do in your life. 
So at times, as we're going to learn about the Holy Spirit and his gifts, when it comes to the gifts, often people feel like unless they are at a certain level of spiritual maturity, they can't really see the power of God in their life in any realistic, consistent way. It's be, that kind of understanding is based on a lack of knowledge concerning the spiritual realm and the things of God. So God doesn't want us to be ignorant. Therefore, it means there is enough information and understanding in the scriptures for us to be truly equipped to be able to negotiate the things of the spirit. Second point is this. Our lives outside of Christ was governed by idols. He says in verse 2, you know that you, when you were Gentiles or you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Now, this point is a very important point. In other words, before we knew Christ, we were led by things that were meaningless. We were controlled by forces that really had no real power except for what we had allowed them. Vain idols. In their culture, they was very steeped in idolatry. And beloved, in our culture today, it's still very steeped in idolatry. In our culture today, we worship vain things. We worship fame. We worship beauty. We worship money. We worship ourselves. We worship our family. Idols are anything that we put in a place that God is supposed to be. And the Gentiles, or those that do not know God, they are governed by the things they worship. They are led by the things they worship, dumb idols. We as children of God, the contrast is, we are supposed to be led or governed by who? The Holy Spirit, by the Spirit of God. And so he's kind of showing us that, look, before you were Christians, you were just led anyway, anyhow. But now as children of God, you are led and governed by God and by his spirit. Third one I want you to notice from these verses is this. Anyone under the influence of the Holy Spirit will always glorify God. Will always glorify Jesus, I beg your pardon. Verse 3 says, therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, that, when he says no one can say that Jesus is Lord, is no one can truly acknowledge Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's not saying literally that you can't say Jesus is Lord because you can program any object or people can say it and not mean it. But he's saying that you cannot truly acknowledge Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the lesson is anything that you see, whether it's supernatural, whether it's uh, powerful, whether it causes your life to, be, to have a benefit of some kind, you must always judge it by whether it glorifies Jesus, not by the benefit itself. Because in the realm of the spirit and in the realm of the supernatural, there, can be, there are many things that you can experience that may seem helpful to you, but undermine the will of God. You know, our Lord in his temptation, the enemy offered him everything in the world. All he had to do was to bow the knee, compromise on his value, key value in how he related to God. And he said, I'll give you everything. Beloved, 
the enemy still makes this offer today to many people. All you need to do is to compromise on a key value, a key principle, and I will give you everything that you really want. There is the broad way that leads to destruction, and then there is the narrow way that leads to life. That word narrow in the Greek is the difficult path. The path that leads to life is difficult, and few find it, because to get to it, you have to investigate. So here, when we are talking about the things of the Spirit, anyone under the influence of the Holy Spirit, or when you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you will seek to glorify Jesus. Fourth point. There are different graces that the Holy Spirit gives to believers to empower them. In verse 4 it says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. That word gifts in the Greek is charisma. And the word charisma literally means benefits or endowments. It is not just one aspect of gift as we're going to be looking at. It is a very uh, generic term that... um, Uh, covers all kinds of benefits that the Holy Spirit brings. And uh, the Holy Spirit has with him different gifts or graces or benefits or endowments that he gives to the church, that he brings to the church. I want to highlight three of these briefly and then we'll focus on the main one today. The Holy Spirit has gifts in the truest definition, he, has, he, he brings benefits of his offices, his fruit, and then his manifestations. Offices, fruit, and manifestations. I don't want to go into the first two offices and fruit. I'll just touch on it briefly. They're very exciting. They're very powerful if we were to analyze it. But this is not what we're looking at in this session today. Offices of the Spirit really are given to believers to empower them to operate in an anointing of the Holy Spirit whenever they want to. So when the Holy Spirit anoints someone with an office, they are able to at will operate as he influences them. And there are many scriptural examples that we can give. I I just want to define for you what I mean by office. An office in this context is a position of authority and function that one will occupy in order to provide a service to others on a consistent basis. So there are offices of the Spirit. There are seven of them that the Scriptures highlight. In Isaiah 11, 1 1 and 2, he says this, Therefore shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots, The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, this is what is referred to as the sevenfold anointing of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of the Lord, this is the revelation of his person. The spirit of wisdom, this is the ability to accurately use knowledge. The spirit of of wisdom and understanding, understanding which is the ability to perceive with accuracy. The spirit of counsel, the ability to advise in order to provide solution. The spirit of um, might, the ability to do, to be not limited by strength in accomplishing a task. And the spirit of the knowledge of the fear, the spirit of knowledge, which is the ability to access information whenever required. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord, which is the ability to 
not compromise on your values as you seek to accomplish whatever God has called you to because you're honoring him. Now, I don't want to go into it. They're very exciting. Another time, I am writing a book. Another time, another place, we can go into it. But the point about the sevenfold anointing is this. And sometimes, this is why you see at times Paul, he will say this, that he will pray that God will grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Or he will, he will pray that they, they, they will grow in knowledge in the things of God. You see, because the sevenfold anointing or the office of the spirit, when, when he anoints you in this way, it is for specific tasks. So an example, for instance, is um, it's found in Exodus 28. Actually, no, let me, yeah, Exodus 28, verse 3. And this is, this is in the area of craftsmanship, where God says to Moses, you should speak to all the gifted artisans, all who are gifted artisans, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me as priest. Another example, Exodus 31, 1 to 6. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, and the, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, and in all manner of craft, of workmanship, to design artistic works, to work in gold, in silver, in bronze, in cutting jewels for setting, etc., and then six, he says, and, and I, indeed I, have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahishamach, of the tribe of Dan. And I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you. Now, when, when this anointing is upon a person, when it's operating, it looks natural. It looks natural. But at its source, there is a supernatural element. So you have this as an example in craftsmanship. But you also see with Joshua, the Bible says that God, Moses laid his hand on him and imparted wisdom. He was full of wisdom because Moses had laid his hand on him. But the wisdom that Joshua had was for military um, expertise. It wasn't in every area. Another example is, uh, is, uh, is Solomon who asked for wisdom in order for God to give him the ability to govern the nation. In fact, he, he asked for understanding. And so he had understanding, and he also had wisdom, and he had knowledge, and by it, he could govern the nation well. But his wisdom did not help his personal life. You can't be very smart to marry 700 women and have 300 concubines on the side. Another example is Samson. Samson had the spirit of might. And whenever Samson would shake himself, the anointing would come upon him and he would be able to overcome impossible odds. He would operate it at will as long as the, the, the criteria for the anointing to remain was, upon it, was being observed. So what I'm trying to say is that in the office of the spirit, he will anoint you in a certain way with any of the sevenfold um, anointings, and then, but it will be limited to a certain sphere. Another time we will study that more. I think it's a very exciting, yeah, yeah, 
the way you're looking at me. But I don't have a time. We don't have time. So the next um, benefit or grace that the Spirit of God gives is the fruit of the Spirit, which I've touched on already. This enables believers to express the personality of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ, what Christ is like. So Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, we see the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now, these are byproducts of the influence of the Holy Spirit on your personality because they are his personality. And actually, they are the personality of Christ because he doesn't come to bring his own. He comes to glorify Christ. So what happens is regardless of what your personality is like, as the Spirit of God influences your personality, we begin to see his love. We be begin to see his joy. Even though you might be a miserable old goat, we begin to see his joy. We begin to see his kindness, his goodness, his faithfulness. Now, it is not fruits. It is fruit. It is fruit. It is not fruits. It is fruit. In other words, it's like, uh, it's like um, you know, when you have like a, a fruit that is, is, is growing and maturing, if you eat it too early, it's bitter. You have to give it time to mature. That's what we are like. The fruit is there, but it needs to mature. Can you say amen? amen. All right, we won't go into that too much, but it's very, very important. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is what demonstrates your authenticity as a believer. In other words, it is the evidence that others see that truly Christ is transforming you. It is, in fact, the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the office of the Spirit and is more important than the manifestations of the Spirit because you can have the office and you can have the manifestations and still potentially end up somewhere you wouldn't want to go. But if the fruit is there, you know that you are, you're, you are truly revealing that Christ is your Lord. It says in verse 24, those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. In fact, this was the verse that I read. I read all of this. I read from 18 right up until this point. And when I read the fruit of the Spirit, and then I read verse 24, as a 16-year-old, I was really upset. I thought, this is impossible. So this is impossible. Who can do this? And that's how the Holy Spirit used it to, to hook me into the kingdom. And then the third benefit he brings is what we call manifestations of the Spirit. Now, these benefits is what he gives or produces in us and through us. There are many, many other benefits that the Spirit of God um, does in our lives. But these are what he does in us, through us, so that others can be blessed by our lives. Manifestation of the Spirit. These, these empower believers to express supernatural characteristics of the Holy Spirit as he wills. Now, and, and that's what we're going to look at today. And that's what really, as I, I will teach the rest of this series in a very short time in the coming weeks and months, I'm going to be dwelling on the manifestations of the Spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 11 highlights 
the manifestations of the Spirit. Now, he says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the to another gifts of healings, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, the scriptural explanations of uh, uh, the scriptural uh, explanation of manifestation of the Spirit is what is often referred to as gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's so often when people say gifts of the Holy Spirit, they are referring to manifestations of the Spirit. So as I continue to teach, when I talk about gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about his office and I'm not talking about his fruit. I'm talking specifically about the manifestations of of the Holy Spirit. Now, the word manifestation in the Greek is a word phenerosis, which really means a disclosure or an unveiling or setting something forth plainly. In other words, revealing something plainly for all to see. Another definition in the, in the Strong's, it says it's an exhibition. It's an exhibition of the Spirit. So it's like the Spirit is displaying Himself. So the Holy Spirit shows aspects of himself, his abilities through us, just fragments of it, through these nine gifts or manifestations. Now, they are in three categories. They are in the category of gifts of revelation, gifts of power, and gifts of communication or manifestations of revelation, of um, power, and of communication or utterance. Now, the gifts of revelation are word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. We'll, we'll explain what they are briefly. Uh, these gifts reveal something hidden to the natural mind and the natural understanding. So it is not knowledge or wisdom that you naturally can find. They are supernatural in how they are accessed and discerning of spirits. Um, they are gifts that know something. They reveal and they know something. Um, and then we have gifts of power. These are gifts that do something. They are faith working of miracles, gifts of healings. They are, again, supernatural. This is not going to medical school and learning about healing. This is not what this is. This is the power of God, the supernatural power of God that interrupts the natural order in order to bring recovery or in order for the creative power of God to be activated. They are actions that cause observers awe and wonder. It's like, wow, that is amazing. In fact, that's how it is with all the nine gifts. When they operate and you are a recipient, they will cause some kind of amazement or some kind of surprise um, or some kind of... Um, um, wonder, yes. One man of God defined um, wo uh, wonder 
or miracles are something that makes a wonder are something that makes you to wonder. A wonder is something that makes you to wonder. Oh, I thought it was funny at the time, but obviously you're all too sophisticated for that. Let's move on quickly. Gifts of communication. These are gifts that say something. As the Holy Spirit enables the speaker. It's a very important point. They are gifts that say something as the Spirit of God empowers the speaker. Because you see, in fact, let me, I don't want to go there. Let's just say what they are. So they are prophecy, they are um, tongues, and they are interpretation of tongues. They declare a message from God through a human vessel as the Holy Spirit empowers, influences, or moves them to speak. So these are, there are nine of these. Now, I remember the first time, if my memory serves me correct, when I began to hear about these things, I wanted them. I have to be honest. I don't know about you, but I actually wanted them. How many of you would like to see these things flowing through you? I mean, I wanted them. I, I said, is it possible? Is it really possible? And uh, by the grace of God, we have seen Generally speaking, seven of these operate strongly or reasonably in our lives. Um, one not so much, one not so often. Yes. I believe there are people here that you will excel us in Jesus' name. Yeah. So, the different types of gifts. Let's just go through them quickly. Word of wisdom. This is the supernatural ability to apply knowledge correctly so that God's purpose is made manifest through what has been said. So an example of a word of wisdom is where our Lord Jesus is asked the question, who do we pay taxes to? Do we pay to Caesar or not? Do we give it to Caesar or not? And then, and they asked him not to trap him. And he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. The word of wisdom was that statement, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. But what it did was it solved a puzzle. It solved a riddle. Now, that only could work in that context. Or another example was Solomon when two women brought a child and said both of them were claiming it was their child um, and, and the other one's child had died overnight. So he said, bring me a sword and cut the child in two. And when he said that, the one whose child it was said, nah, it's all right, let her have the child. The one whose child it was not said, nah, divide the child in two. If I can't have that child, she can't have it either. And so, I mean, it's clear, isn't it? Who's, who's, who's the mother? The word of wisdom was cut the child in two. That was the word of wisdom. So the statement itself does not apply, does not look wise. But when it's applied, it is very powerful. That's the word of wisdom. Some people define a word of wisdom as when you say something about the future and it comes to pass. In my study, to me, that is an erroneous application of a word of wisdom. That's a word of prophecy, but that's another thing. We'll touch on that in a minute. Then you have the word of knowledge. A word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation of information about a person, about an incident, a situation, which was not previously known by its recipient. Now, as a church, we are used to seeing words of knowledge to a certain degree. Isn't that so? We've seen a few, and it's like, we're all amazed. I mean, it's like, wow, I want some of that. How many of you would like to be used like that? Well, you're, not very, you're not very excited today. 
I find, I find these things very exciting. Oh, you knew it already, isn't it? Because I've already taught these things. And then, so that's the word of knowledge. And then you have discerning of spirits. What is discerning of spirits? This is the supernatural ability to accurately know or discern what kind of spirit is operating in a given context. Whether it's God's Holy Spirit, whether it's an angelic spirit, whether it's a demonic spirit, whether it's a human spirit. Now, discerning of spirits, there are different levels of this. Sometimes it comes through pictures where you see it. Sometimes it comes through intuition as if it's a word of knowledge. But you're able to accurately discern what spirit is operating. And once that revelation comes, faith can be released for that spirit to be dealt with, if it's an evil spirit, or for that spirit to be released, if it's an angelic spirit or if it's the Holy Spirit moving. And then we have the gift of faith. Now, this is not the, natural, the normal faith that we use. This is the supernatural ability to believe and trust God for the impossible, beyond a person's normal level of faith. When, when this happens to you, it is impossible to doubt. I have experienced this a few times, and I have to say, the feeling you get, it's almost like you are Superman in that context. You, you, you just have this knowledge. This ain't like you've taken drugs or anything, because you, you will die. So, like, for instance, I, I had a guy coming to attack me. Some of you have bored you with this message, but let me tell you, because I don't have many experiences of this. So I had a guy who had a bottle. Austin was there, and another friend was quite far away watching this. And, and the, 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 the guy came and swung the bottle at me. And I looked at the guy, and I said, you cannot touch me. Now the guy was going to smash my head. And he, as he swung, as he reached here, he stopped. And I felt very hard. I felt very cool. Then he swung again, and he stopped. And as I took my eyes off the Lord and looked at what was happening, when he swung the third time, I flinched. I did the karate, and then I caught myself <laughs> and exercised faith. The point I'm trying to make is, is that when this happens, in that context, it is impossible to doubt. It is not something you can reproduce. You can't reproduce. So the next time somebody is swinging at me, if this is not happening, I am going to duck. Otherwise, I'm going to get my head smashed. It's how it is. All right, the gifts of healings. This is where, the, this is a supernatural intervention of God into restoring a sick person to health or sick people to health. It can apply to any area of a person's health. It can apply to the emotion, their spirit, or physically. And there are so many ways in which this manifests. We don't have time. I won't go into it. And then we have the working of miracles. This is the divine intervention of the power of God into the nature or into the creative order where the power of God will either reverse, suspend, or undo what has occurred in creation. And uh, often the creative power is released into a context. Then prophecy. This is the ability to communicate a message from God to an individual or a specific audience supernaturally as they are being influenced by the Holy Spirit. Now, again, this is not the same as where, let's say, 
you have a word in your heart and you feel like giving someone that word and you say, you know, I feel like God wants you to know X, Y. This is not what this is. This is where the Holy Spirit will anoint you supernaturally and you speak under his influence. And when you finish speaking, often when you finish speaking, you say, oh my goodness, what have I just said? Because it bypassed your normal level of faith. Now, to be honest with you, um, in my younger days, this gift operated more because I had less knowledge, so it was easy for the Spirit of God to just anoint me and then I would speak. But as you grow older, you allow things to influence your mind. So at times, my, this gift doesn't operate like it used to operate. Um, so I'm just saying, yeah, that's how it is. And then you have the gift of tongues. This is the supernatural anointing to speak in a language that you have not learned. Now, again, this is not the same as your prayer language where you, whenever you want, you just say, Shana, Baba. This is not what this is. Your prayer language is, is that you, you, a human being, speaking out of your human spirit whenever you want. Now, this is going to shock you what I'm about to say. It's not necessarily supernatural. It is spiritual, but it's not supernatural. It is spiritual because it comes from God, but it's not supernatural because it's your human spirit. Let me give you an example. A mad person, I'm not pointing out like anyone here is mad or anything like that. I'm just, a mad person, I'm not saying that the musicians, a mad person, <laughs> when they say, what they are doing is, we don't say mad person anymore, do we? Uh, I don't know what we say these days, but anyway, in the olden days, we called, it was a, uh, I don't know if, anyway, you know what? Let me just carry on what I'm saying. When they are, when they're making those noises, they're expressing their frustration and the torment of their spirit. So you're hearing their spirit in this torment. I remember many, many years ago in my old church, I was, the service had finished. Somebody had come to receive the Holy Spirit baptism and they started speaking in tongues. Immediately I knew that's a demon speaking through that person. Because I could hear it, I could hear the defilement of it. And I thought, I want nothing to do with this, so I left it alone. <laughs> yeah, that, but there's a story there. So the gift of tongues, however, is the supernatural anointing. Where the Holy Spirit will come upon. The other day, Trevor spoke in tongues under the gift of tongues. And what was amazing was, we didn't give it time, but different ones had different revelations. One, one young man came in and said afterwards that as that tongue was going, they saw a, a clock, or was it a clock or something, broken clock. Now, the prophecy that came with it was about time and about you sorting your life out because of time. So as that tongue was going out, different things was happening because the gift of tongues is like a trigger gift that allows the other gifts and the move of the Spirit to be released more. Again, we'll talk more about that another time. And then interpretation of tongues. This is a supernatural ability to interpret a message given to another speaker of tongues. So where God gives you the ability to know by revelation what the tongue is. Sometimes when this gift is operating, you literally hear them as if they're speaking in English. They're speaking in tongues or in your native language. They're speaking in tongues, but you will, you will hear it differently because it's supernatural. Amen. 
All right, so just in the next, uh, in the next 10 minutes, I'll bring this to a conclusion, all right? Yeah, we're still here. So uh, some thoughts about these things, because having shared this, you might be thinking, wow, how is it even possible for me to be able to operate this way? The good thing about the gifts of the Spirit is this. I want to say a few thoughts. Often, they, one, not often, always, they are always given to build people up. They're always given to build up the church. They're given to help the church to grow. They're given to strengthen the faith of God's people. They are given to individuals or given to communities and so forth. Now, first thing, they are spiritual and they are also always supernatural. In other words, they're given as the Holy Spirit wills. They're given for the glory of God. And they will always exalt Jesus. They are spiritual, but they will always be supernatural. Second point is this. They are momentary and for a specific purpose. So when you have that anointing, it will come for a specific thing. And then that's it. It lifts. It's like the Holy Spirit is manifesting a very small fragment of his mind or of his power. And it will always minister to a present context. It's a present need. It ministers to, or not always, often ministers to a present need. Third point about this is this. These gifts are given as the Holy Spirit wills and cannot be repeated by an individual's choice. So I can't decide to operate the gift of tongues or I can't decide to interpret when I will. And this is sometimes why some people, they say, ah, but how can you just speak in tongues just like that? Because isn't it as God wills? If it's the gift of tongues, yeah. But if you are praying out of your human spirit, no. As 1 Corinthians 14, 14, and 15 highlights, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will, I will pray with the spirit. I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit. I will sing with the understanding also. So clearly Paul is not talking about the gift of tongues. He's talking about praying in your um, uh, prayer language with your understanding or with your spirit. Another thing is this. Because they are as he wills, they cannot be earned. You cannot earn the right to operate a gift. And they do not measure or demonstrate a person's spirituality. In fact, often when the gifts operate, they tend to operate through sometimes the immature, a lot more than the mature and the seasoned, sometimes. And uh, sometimes because of that, it puts people off. Because here he goes again. You know, when the guy comes and he speaks, it's very powerful. But when they finish speaking, they're, they're really unreasonable people to work with. And they are not a validation of God's approval of a person's character. It's, when a person is operating under the gifts, it does not necessarily mean that that person is actually right with God. An example of a word of prophecy is Caiaphas. Caiaphas, with evil intent, spoke under the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He said, it is better for one man to die than for the whole nation to be destroyed. And the Bible says, this he spake 
not of himself. It was a prophecy because he occupied the office of high priest, the anointing comes on him and he speaks, even though he had the bad intention of saying what he was saying. But he was declaring a truth about Jesus. Fourth point is this. These gifts can be encouraged and they can be courted, but it's up to the Holy Spirit whether he will anoint or not. So at times when we're worshiping and stuff, it's an atmosphere for the gifts to express themselves, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will happen all the time. An example is Elisha. When he wanted a prophetic word, he said, bring the musicians and let them play. And as the musician played, the scripture says, the hand of the Lord came upon him. The anointing of the Spirit comes upon him, and he then begins to prophesy. Fifth point about these gifts is this. They operate best through love. They operate best through love. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they will always operate through love, but they operate best through love. Because of time, I'll just say a few things and then bring this to a conclusion. Sixth point. These gifts should be desired and prayed for. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31 says this. Earnestly desire the best gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says this. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So we are encouraged to desire them. So even as I am sharing this, in your heart, there may be aspects of the manifestations that really resonates with you as I was sharing it. That probably is what you should pursue. And as a church, as we desire the gifts, it makes it easy for the Holy Spirit to release them upon us. Seven, their level of manifestation is dependent on expectation, the expectation of the audience. So, for instance, I find with myself, when I go to different contests, because of how they receive me, the gift of prophecy tends to flow very freely. Some churches, when I go, they will ask me to prophesy over everybody. Can you imagine? So they'll just line them up. I'm not joking. And they all come in expecting. And I'm thinking, well, Holy Spirit, do your thing. Because I ain't got a clue. And everyone will come and they will receive a word that is right for them. But if I tried of my own volition to do it, it wouldn't work. It's the same even in, in the area of like dream interpretation. This is, that is, has to do with word of wisdom. Dream interpretation. When people share a dream to me, often when they share the dream, I don't even know what it means. I'm just as confused as they are. <laughs> but as they're sharing it, I'm saying to the Holy Spirit, show me what it means, show me what it means, show me what it means. Sometimes my faith will be like this. As I open my mouth and I say, your dream means this, the understanding comes. But until I open my mouth, the anointing will not come. So as I open my mouth and say, your dream means A, B, C, then the revelation comes, the anointing comes. But other times I say, that your dream means nothing. I don't know what it means. Because nothing comes. It's like that. But it's dependent on the expectation. Eighth point. They operate by faith. All the gifts operate by faith. So that's why sometimes you feel that you have a very strong urge to do something or to say something, but you're afraid and you don't do it and you don't say it. And so it doesn't happen because you stopped it. You quench the spirit, literally. 
Sometimes in service, for instance, some of you, I don't know if you can testify, sometimes the service is going on and maybe you may feel a warm sensation in your hands. Does anybody feel that sometimes? Warm sensation in their hands? Can you, can you wait? Let me see. Now, you know what that is? That is a token of the Holy Spirit highlighting to you the need for people to be healed. But you don't know what's going on. So the next time that happens, just ask him, what are you saying? You might find that as you ask that question, you might see something, a flash. You might have an, a knowing of something coming to you. We'll go more into this another time. And that immediacy is often, almost all the time, what the Spirit is telling you about that situation. But this is what tends to happen. You then, as soon as you see that, you then say, oh, no, this is just my mind. And so you knock it away and are looking for something else and nothing else happens. Are you still here? So they operate by faith. They operate by faith. And we'll stop there. Amen. So I trust that this has helped you to have an understanding about the Holy Spirit and his gifts. Now we want to pray. I want to pray over you and bless you. Those of you that are saying to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I want your gifts to operate through me. And I make myself available to you. Why don't you stand right now? We're going to just speak this over you. We're going to, by faith, believe God. Don't stand unless that's what you want. If that's what you want, stand. As you stand, raise your hands to him. We're going to declare it over you. And as we go through these teachings, we're going to have time to do some activation. Hopefully next week we'll begin some activation. Um, we'll probably make the serv- let the service run a little bit longer, but we'll try and do it in the time but to do some activation to stir your faith up and show you how easy it is for you as a child of God to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Raise your hands to the Lord. And Holy Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the amazing truths about your mighty Holy Spirit and the gifts that he brings and the manifestations of himself in us and through us. And Father, I pray as we stand before you that a fresh mantle will rest upon us as a church that the manifestations of the Spirit will become evident in us and through us to build up your people and to glorify our Lord Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. God bless you. You may take your seats. Thank you.